Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. Today, I'm joined by Maria Werner, the Administrative Assistant at Westcliff Elementary School in Greenville, South Carolina. Maria is here with us today to share what she's learned from her first year as an AA and how she prioritizes her professional development despite the professional and personal demands in her life. You may notice that I'd like to interview leaders from Greenville, South Carolina. In fact, two of our most listened to episodes feature Greenville administrators, Assistant Superintendent Brenda Bird and Principal Melissa Burns, who will be back on the show in just a couple of weeks. Marie is very connected to this group as she was a teacher under Melissa and Brenda is her current supervisor. Maria was also a member in what turned out to be a stellar cohort of budding administrators in my last principal licensure cohort with Clemson University. In fact, Maria, I think you were a brand new parent when we first met. So with that lengthy introduction, hello, Maria, and welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. It's a little intimidating being those uh, big names that you shared. Those are two mentors of mine that I think very highly of. So being a part of something that they, they were a part of is a great honor. Yeah, and you know, this isn't part of the planned show, but it, it really is uh, amazing. I've worked with a number of people that, that have worked with both Melissa and Brenda. And you're doing a great job and your, and your growth has been really rapid from teacher moving into administration. Um, and it just, it does show your own initiative, but also how important good mentors are. Yeah, I think that uh, I, when I was prepping to talk with you and thinking through the things that I value as a school leader, the two things that come to mind are that collaborative piece and the mentorship piece. And those are definitely the two things that I, I would value most for my own growth and my own self-efficacy within this profession are that um, I have strong mentors and I am a strong mentor to others and that there is a collaborative piece because that more minds, the better is uh tends to work out pretty successfully. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I probably told your group this in our last semester together because I, I was your internship supervisor. But when you take that first administrative job or you take the next administrative job, make sure that that person that you're moving to, that principal, or if you're moving into principalship, the assistant superintendent, Make sure it's someone that is going to nurture you and is going to help you grow, especially on that first move. When you're moving from the classroom into an assistant principalship and, and you haven't been really careful about choosing the principal, it makes it a lot harder. Yes, absolutely. I've seen that firsthand in, in peers, and I'm especially grateful that my first move with, with a principal who has really allowed me to come right alongside of her and, and is open-minded to sometimes my off the rails, crazy ideas that <laughs> I, I come, come at her with. So it, it's been, it's been an awesome journey so far and I'm looking forward to what the future holds as well. Yeah. Well, so instead of the future, let's jump back to the past. 
<laughs> tell, us, tell us real briefly how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I started my career in Florida as a teacher down there. Um, when I had our first boy, he's five now, I said, oh goodness, we don't have any family in Florida and I am a full-time teacher and after 12 weeks I'm expected to go back to teaching again. What am I going to do with my baby? So I started looking back in Greenville, that's where I grew up, and I actually had my very first teaching internship experience in high school. We had, they had the teacher cadet program and I had it at Melissa's school, Sarah Collins, where I taught before stepping into an administrative role. So it was actually in January, so mid-year, and just so happened that she had a second grade vacancy. So I reached out, I vividly remember it was like two or three days before New Year's and Finn was only a month old. And um, I heard from her, on New Year's Eve, asking if I could come interview. So I packed up and came to Greenville, interviewed and um, got the position as a second grade teacher. And she was ready for me to begin and my maternity leave wasn't over yet and I needed to move. So I actually left my husband in Florida to sell the house and find a job in Greenville and said, me and Finley are headed back. So I started there in second grade. I was already beginning my school leadership um, master's at University of North Florida at the time but um, transferred to Clemson when I realized it, how difficult it was going to be. I think I was taking uh, law at that time and it was Florida law. Mm. And so I couldn't really do the experiences that the course required. And um, I, so I started looking into Clemson's program and I think you and I went back and forth on email a couple times about what that would look like. And um I ended up making that transition while teaching at Sarah Collins and then also while um, finding out that our second was on the way. So I had a one-year-old and one on the way and I was getting my master's and I was teaching full time. So there were a just lot of things. Typical things. <laughs> yeah, just everyday, everyday life. Um, so I did my internship under Melissa. I did some grade level changes. And so I had experience in every grade level when I came out of the classroom, which I felt like was something that really well prepared me for a role in school leadership on the elementary level. And um, in the craziness of 2020, I um, obtained the administrative assistant position at Westcliff which is a Title I school that is much smaller. I think we're the second smallest, if not the smallest elementary school in our district. So we serve about 305 students. So I'm the only assistant administrator at Westcliff. Um, so there's some unique experiences that I feel like I have been able to have due to our size and due to our administrative team just being the principal and me um, that I really think have set the stage for things that I can bring to the table in the future that maybe other people who are in different settings may not have experienced. So um, it's, it's been great and has its fair share of challenges, but. Yeah. It, so is Westcliff and Westcliff a neighborhood school? 
It is. It's it's technically Berea, kind of sits on the outside of Berea and um, serves the we our Hispanic population is about 42 percent. OK. Um, and it's in one of the most transient areas of our district. So a okay. lot of in and out. And, and um, is it an urban area or is it a little bit more rural? We are, I, I would classify it as urban, we're about five minutes from downtown. Okay. Um, so we, we have, it used to be a lot more um, suburban neighborhood, um, but those, that generation of children have, they're now grown. So um, that the neighborhood that is closest to us doesn't have a high population of, of school-aged kids. So we serve um, a lot of the students that are in the apartment complexes, neighboring apartment complexes, um, and a lot of our home improvement workforce and um, a lot along those lines. Okay, all right. So. We always like to start with the celebration. So what are you celebrating today? Oh, I think I have lots to celebrate. Um, I am in this in-between right now. So summer has technically just begun. So I'm celebrating more time with my kids for sure. Um, that is always June, early June is always the time that I'm so excited to spend time with them. You catch up with me late July and I might have a different <laughs> demeanor. But then the other thing that I'm celebrating is this is summer prep week for our summer program that will begin on Monday. So due to the, the student population we serve, I'm celebrating that I, we get to welcome back a percentage of our students into our building on Monday. Um, for a four-week program that, yes, there are, there's accountability tied with the academic improvement, but a lot more autonomy to make learning fun and um, more flexibility along the lines of what you're doing to, to move them forward. And then also our kids, our group of kids are sad on the last day of school. They don't want to not come back. And so I'm celebrating the excitement of getting to welcome them back after just two short weeks off for them um, into our building on Monday for a fun summer camp themed um, reading is an adventure is our theme this year. Cool. That's good. And it, it's, it's fun to be in June and still celebrating having kids in school. I, yes, yes, I, I am that, that uh, I was always when I taught and in and, and past two years in a leadership role, I was always the person that I needed two weeks tops and then I was ready to go. I wanted to do something towards school. I miss my kids. So um, for the last, this year and last summer, um, I've had the privilege of, of running our summer program and it has been a, a great pleasure and to see the, the kiddos again over the summer and, and we made great gains last year. So I'm excited. Okay. So you've already really set the stage. And uh, again, one of the reasons I wanted to have you in particular on to talk about 
professional development and your own professional growth is because you do live that jam-packed life, right? You have everything going on. And I guess I could say you don't do anything the easy way, (laughs) but you're always there. And, and throughout apex, you always showed up Um, and not, not only just dragging in, but you were invested and you're ready to go. And, and I think that's, that's special. And I know there are a lot of listeners out there that are like you there. They are the people that, that want to grow and, and are willing to figure out ways to, to make that happen. So let's go ahead and, and dig in. And, and the first question, I guess, is why are you so passionate about continuing to grow, right? You, you've kind of made it, you're in the, you're in that AA position now, and, but you still want to grow so much. Why? So I think I am a big believer in practicing what you preach. And we, as school leaders, preach to our teachers that um, we want them to be reflective and invested in in their growth, open-minded to always growing. Um, I think that's the beauty of education is that there's always opportunity to grow. Even you can give what you believe is your very best lesson and there's still going to be somewhere, some opportunity to grow upon it, improve upon it. And so I think that if I'm modeling what I preach, which is open-mindedness to growth and willing to grow, dedicated to growth, um, then I need to be just as dedicated. And um, it comes easy for me. I was the weirdo in the the staff meetings that really enjoyed them and was excited for them, like uh, that opportunity to network and collaborate and talk to people that are uh, other adults that are in your world. um, That is a big piece of the professional growth that I prefer to invest in is when I can collaborate with others that are in my world and and have those conversations. Um, Another piece was I, uh, um, I've heard a ton and I believe it strongly is when we step into these school leadership roles to not forget what it was like to be in the classroom. And um, you hear that from teachers often is I feel like my administrators are removed from what it was like to be a teacher. And so I think a big piece of my passion for that professional growth is not necessarily only leadership growth, but overall growth. I want to stay abreast to the, the constantly evolving state of education, which is, that's just what it is. It's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. We're keeping up with the demands of what our, our business professionals and our 21st century skills are, are the, what's necessary to be successful um, post your school career. Yeah. Well, and I, so I appreciate, especially that, that first point, I have assistant principals. I've heard them talk about, well, you know, our teachers don't have a growth mindset and that's, that's, that's frustrating. But, you know, as you just said, that growth mindset doesn't start with teachers, right? It starts with us. It starts with leadership. And I think the more that, that we're engaged in our own development and the more transparent we are about that, I think that's maybe the place, one of the place where a lot of us could get better because we're doing all this stuff behind the scenes and teachers don't always necessarily know what our growth goals are. And they may not, they don't know we're listening to podcasts every day on the drive home. They don't know that we're, 
attending a webinar on a Wednesday night, right? They don't know those things. And, and I think for us as leaders, when we have that mindset to become more transparent about that so that they do know, so that they do see, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I've liked being able to specifically with with Apex and some of the graphics that we we talk about and taking those from a school leadership standpoint and then sharing them with staff from and kind of tweaking them to meet the needs of them as teachers has been a uh, a good segue for look this is what I have learned or taken from an opportunity and how it can can apply to you or help in my supporting you um, it has been something that I value in in apex specifically cool well thank you for that and and I think we'll dig into some of the apex stuff um, in a few minutes too so how, how do you manage it all um, especially, you know, you take that, that time to, to create for the apex webinars and coaching sessions. And, and I have to say, you know, I, I Marie, I never know where you're going to be. Like, I think right now you're, you're at home and there's other times you've been at home and then in your office. And I think one time you were in your car, your little guy is always going to show up. I know he's going to make an appearance. Right. And, and that, that's, that's, he's kind of my clock watcher about 35 minutes in, I expect him to come in. Um, mm-hmm. So, but, so obviously you're going to effort, you're creating that time. I, how do you do that? Because a lot of people are going to say, I, I don't have time. I'm too busy. And, and yes, but. Right. Yes. Um, how do I manage it all? I guess managing it and managing it all well are two different things. Um, so I think I'll always be working to improve the managing it all um, avenue, especially as a, as a working mom. If I'm all in on my work, then I feel like I've shortchanged my kids and then vice versa. If I'm all in with my kids, I've shortchanged my work. And I think that there are many um, school and just working people and working men and women in general that could relate to that piece of trying to let the guilt subside and, and stay in the now. I think that's been a big piece of the puzzle is, is staying in the, in the present and not really sitting in what could be or where um, I could be doing better. I, I've, my drive time is my reflection time. And that is something that you'll hear me say, oh, I have a big commute to school. However, I think if I didn't have it, I would be wondering what, I would feel like there's something missing. And it's that piece of reflection time, the drive there, the drive home. Um, so managing it, a lot of my management comes in just that thought process and the drive to and from. I want to um, jump in right there because yeah. that's a point that I don't hear people talk about. I don't think I talk about it very much, but I mean, I always say reflect, 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 but having that space. And I think it is a space and making sure that you're intentional about having a space, whether it's in the car or maybe it's getting up 30 minutes earlier in the morning or you know, at night after you put everybody to bed, but 
taking that little chunk of time where nothing else is coming to really think about and process, because when you, you, you're right, you're living in the present. And so you, you are, everything's coming in and you need that time then later to step out and process. And I don't think that's, it sounds obvious, but it's not obvious to all of us, especially when we are busy, that if we're going, 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 and we never create that space, then that stuff's just flying around our brains all the time. Um, so I think that's a critical part of growth is, is creating that little space for reflection. And, and I want to jump on a couple other things that you said too. So um, people talk about managing time and it's been one of my things lately. Like we don't manage time. We manage priorities. Right. And, and that's what you just talked about. There are things that are priorities for you that you attend. The other piece of that is some great advice that was given to me a long time ago. Uh, about kind of juggling, you know, we, we think about time management as a lot of people say, I want to be more balanced in my life. And there was one time when I really had achieved balance between family and profession and social life, completely balanced. And you know what? I was mediocre at everything. And that was not, that was not a fun place to live. And so I've moved from the model of balance to juggling. Because when you're juggling, right, you get one thing up in the air and then you forget about it for a minute while you go to the next thing. And you're 100% focused on that one thing. And, and I think that's more the, the path to happiness and satisfaction because none of us want to be mediocre all the time, right? We want to be really good at stuff. So it's, it's taking something at the moment when, when you're with those kids, it's 100% focus on them. And so you're doing great work. You may not be with them as much as you want, but when you are, it's great. And when you're with your teachers doing a training or doing observations, you're hundred percent with them and it's great. So I, I think that's, that's something that you hit at that I just want to make really explicit to people listening that get away from the idea of balancing time, get away from the idea of managing time, right? Manage your priorities and then juggle so that you're hundred percent focused in the moment. So Thanks for opening that gateway. <laughs> I really love that illustration because I feel like you almost typically would lead on juggling sounding like that's not something you have in control. You know, that's a difficult task. There's thing to do, a different difficult skill. I'm juggling everything, but that, this is why I, I love working with you so much as you, you paint these pictures that are, that resonate with me so much is you're right. Is that what you're, the ball that you're holding is what you're focused on. And the one above you kind of let go of for a little while. I, I really like that. And the, as far as how do I make, you know, always get there for apex. And it's exactly what you said is the managing those priorities, figuring out what your priorities are. So I professional growth is, is one of my top priorities. I recognize that I'm not coming with to school leadership with 20 years of teaching experience. I'm coming with shorter amount of years, but many diverse experiences. And so a way that I, I build my confidence in for what I lack in longevity of experience is through my professional growth and keeping a very good calendar. So I found a calendar that has work and home sections and, um, what has to happen goes in ink 
So if I'm LEAing an IEP meeting, that goes in ink. If I have an Apex meeting that's on booked and on the calendar, it goes in ink. And then the things that I hope to get done in the day go in pencil. So, so that I don't feel like a failure if I haven't gotten to them because they can just get erased and moved to the next day. <laughs> so um, ink and pencil in my my hard copy calendar that my husband still gives me a very hard time about and tells me I need to get with the times because people use their Outlook or Gmail calendars, their digital calendars, and I still live and die by my my hard copy calendar. Ink first, <laughs> pencil second. Exactly. I think, well, I'm going to need to do a show, get four different people on who all use different calendar systems, but yeah. use them well, right? Because we are, we are all different. Um, yeah. Yeah, calendar can be really, really helpful. So this has been a year like no other, right? Um, everybody listening has grown a lot. I know that because if you're listening, then you survived this year. And the only way to get through this year was by being really adaptable and really flexible and by learning. So having said that, um, did you begin the year thinking there were specific ways and did you have specific growth goals? Yeah, I, I definitely did. So this, this was my second year in the AA position. So in 2020, 2021 was my first year and rightfully the normal so, year. <laughs> I sit back and listen and learn year. It actually was a good year to, to do that because we were constantly changing, constantly trying to, um, just figure out what was next. Um, so this year, once I had a, a year under my belt of getting to know our staff, uh, rec- kind of feeling out the culture that that is, um, I when I came in, my current principal was in my role before stepping into the principalship. So she was a first year principal as I was a first year assistant administrator. Um, so it was I had a in our Clemson program, we do a diverse experience in our internship. And I did mine with a high school principal um, in our district who was a first year principal. And she told me while I was shadowing her over there that the first year is not meant to make waves, just ripples. And I told you, I I love those illustrations. They always sit with me and, um, I tried to stick by that and I shared that with my principal and she was on, she agreed 100%. So it was, it was more ripples in the first year. And then we really last, last summer, because I was running the summer program, we dug, we dug in, in June and July. And we, we set a a strong foundation for what we, we wanted moving forward. We weren't necessarily out of the COVID weeds yet. Um, There were definitely some tsunamis of COVID this year, Um, but we were able to sit down and set some goals. And personally, my goals were around having crucial conversations, conversations that needed to happen um, and making sure that they were strategic and purposeful and that I wasn't shying away from them because they may be difficult. Um, And it's a lot easier to have them when you think, why do we do this? We do this for the kids. Having this conversation is what's best for the kids. So it's not personal. It's not 
but at the same time, you want to be liked. You want to be a, a the, the worst thing that could happen is that the reputation of the assistant administrator is not not being liked. So I I wanted to be strategic and careful around those. And then um, we really set goals around gaining buy-in on those teaching practices that we know to be effective that maybe we weren't seeing so much, sometimes due to COVID, sometimes due to burnout. Some I mean, there's tons of factors. So after a year of getting to know the staff and then kind of setting the those priorities for moving forward over the summer. And I have found that the way to gain buy-in is instead of delivering the message, it is engulfing them in it, making it interactive so that they get to see firsthand it work. Um, so, we, we made some shifts in our PLCs. We did some, uh, one of my crazy ideas was um, how to get some peer observations in. And that ended up being probably one of the most successful things we did as a leadership team all year was, was prioritizing opportunity for our teachers to see one another in action. Um, and so and by being engulfed in it, the buy-in was far greater than a staff meeting that says you will teach with uh, formative assessment and you will teach the, with not lecture style and all of that is, it, it doesn't get the job done. Uh, peer, peer, peer observations are so powerful and I don't hear people talk about them very often. I think it's one of those things that flies under our radar but I was talking with another principal a couple of weeks ago and they did peer observations and it was just, it was a game changer for them. Yeah, it kept coming up and in our instructional leadership me weekly meetings about how teachers had voiced that that was something that they'd like to partake in. And then it was that we just, how do you make it work scheduling wise? I mean, we have such a small period of time where our teachers aren't with their students or um, during crucial instructional timeframes. So we uh, merge them with our slow meetings. Slows are something that the student learning objective is something that our South Carolina educators know well, and it is a requirement and we wanted them to be purposeful. And that was something we discussed over the summer. And so we merged those mid-year slow conferences with an opportunity for them to observe a peer. They went with our principal to a predetermined location. Um, they didn't know where they were going and the teacher that they went to didn't know they were coming. Um, I covered the class before their related arts period so that it uh, freed up that teacher to go with our principal and then took them to their the students to their related arts and then they came back to me for the mid-year conference and it kind of was that opening for the teacher to share what they observed because I wasn't there. So um, it, they, they were really positive and um, probably something that I would say was maybe not a direct goal. Peer observations weren't the goal, but that buy-in to some of those teaching practices we got away from during COVID or other factors um, the buy-in definitely 
was a was an accomplished goal through things like that. That that sounds fun. And uh, well, I think what we'll do in the show notes is we'll break down those steps just so so that'll be in there. So if anybody listening thinks, oh wow, I want to jump back on that peer coaching part, um, we'll try to break that down into some some bullet point steps, and and that'll we'll put that in the show notes, and then we'll have to have you and maybe Beth back together and, and you can talk about what happened and maybe bring in a couple of your teachers. I think that would be fun. Yes. Okay. So full disclosure to the audience, this next part of our discussion might sound like an infomercial. I believe in the power of Apex to help leaders grow, especially those leaders who want to accelerate their growth. And Apex is a big commitment financially and other and time-wise. So I think it's good for people to hear about the experiences so they can decide if Apex is something that might interest them for next year. So let's talk about Apex. Tell me just, I guess, what were the highlights of your experience and, and what, has it, what has it been for you and for your leadership? Yeah, absolutely. I, I could, you might have to cut me off on this one. I would get pretty long-winded because... Um, this has been something I've, I've really valued this year taking part in. So I mentioned earlier that the collaboration and mentorship piece are two of my biggest things that I value that I rank the highest among my professional values and apex covers both of that with the, um, community piece that is built in when we get together as, um, a community of, of leaders in different districts, um, different states even, and you have an opportunity to have a, a focus. It's centered, those meetings, but you get to hear the different ways that that focus is, is experienced among people in the same role as you. Um, just like with the peer observations being that you don't get to see your peers that do the same thing you do because you're in your four walls. This is the same thing for assistant administrators is I don't, and other than my monthly AAAP meeting um, that I'm not even sure really occurs monthly throughout the school year, I don't have a segue, an opportunity to collaborate or just talk with other people that are serving the same in the same role that I am. So that collaborative piece is a big part of my um, love for Apex. And then Maria, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah, jump in right there. <laughs> because I love, I love the way you framed that. And, and so here's, I guess the, the blurb I'm going to use from that is Apex is kind of like a cheap form of peer observations for APs <laughs> or, or a fast food version. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think in the, one of the very first ones, um, there was an assistant principal in Columbia, South Carolina, and I was kind of toiling over how to have some of those crucial conversations. And she offered up kind of her strategy towards approaching them. And I jotted down some notes and it was really effective and something that I could immediately put into practice and knew that had I come across obstacles or, or speed bumps along the way, I had a connection to reach out to that felt comfortable in that, that area. Our, our umbrella as administrators holds a lot of 
different hats. Uh, we wear so many different hats and to be strong in all of them would be very difficult. So leaning on those that have differing strengths than you, um, Apex has kind of opened, broadened the horizon as far as, as who's all out there and, and able to, to do that. And then the mentorship piece, I mean, you were a big mentor to me when I was going through my, my program, my leadership program at Clemson. And um, post that, I wasn't ready to say goodbye fully. So I, I subscribed to the daily email and that was some a way I routinely started my day. And then you had mentioned about Apex in, in there and I, I started to... Um, once I obtained a position within that realm, I, I started to kind of reach out about more and um, the, they're outside of having your principal as a mentor and coach per se, those, the one-on-one -on -one coaching that you've been able to provide me, uh, I, I can't put a dollar amount on that is it's so you take me for who I am and you know what I, I bring to the table, highlighting strengths and then pointing out um, where I could, could focus my improvement. Um, one of the reasons you and Melissa are so high on the, on my um, list of people I admire are, I are you are two of the only in my career as an educator that have off, offered up areas of growth. And I see how hard that is from a leadership point of view is to it's a being careful of I don't if I offer this up, is it going to be received positively? Is it going to be received in a way that doesn't motivate who I'm talking to. And so I, I just value so much that you both were comfortable enough and, and confident enough to share those things with me. And I still have the notes of our meeting in my internship with, with Dr. Burns, you and me, and where we came up with, you know, growth opportunities moving forward and, and that page and that that's a meeting I remember well. And, um, so those two pieces are, are huge in this, and especially being that they're centered around assistant principalships. Yeah. Um, I, can, I can easily go find principal growth opportunities, but not necessarily that assistant piece. And it's a unique spot to be in and one that varies greatly. Um, the way that the assistant administrators worked at the school where the three schools I taught in all were different and all were different than how I work in the role at my school. Um, so it just looks so the range of what that, that this role looks like is so broad and being able to kind of specifically hone in on on this role, the role specifically has been great. And those, the figures and visual representations that you provide um, are, I get, they're directly at what works for me. Mm, they're small yeah. incremental things that 
I can see in my mind in those, the times that I'm reflecting and driving, I can see the Eisenhower matrix. I can <laughs> see M equals V over E. And those are two things that I think of and talk about and really base my decisions on, on a regular basis. Um, yeah. So, and listeners, listeners to just the podcast may not understand all those references. people that that subscribe to my daily email, you're getting, you're getting constantly bombarded by some of these um, core concepts. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm really excited. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start uh, a new way of reaching people called quadrant two, which is that reference to the Eisenhower matrix. Yeah. So we're going to be sending out every two weeks. Uh, yeah. Every two weeks, uh, we're calling it a micro journal. So just that shot of professional development that's really focused. And I think that'll be a good supplement for people because it, it will be easier than to access some of those visual ideas and visual components. So yeah, so we're excited about that. Love that. I was wondering if quadrant two, the title quadrant two was the kind of a play off of, of that. I actually had the Eisenhower matrix as my um, school laptop background for about four months this year when I was really struggling to get out of that urgent, not important piece. And I, I was, I, I put it on my background. It was after one of our, our sessions. And I was like, I have to, to do my very best to ask myself in all of the things that are flooding in which, which quadrant am I falling in here? Yeah. Yeah. And because there are some, there are a lot of things that are urgent and important and we got to take care of those. But the danger is that we then also wind up taking care of things that are urgent, but not important because we're just stuck in that urgency mode. And yeah, that's what quadrant two is all about for those of you that, that haven't done the whole Eisenhower matrix thing, but I have something special coming up in a couple of weeks. So you'll get to be introduced to that. Uh, so one of the things we do with Apex content-wise, we kind of move between the whole kind of managerial part and, and how do you try to do things that will help you get off that, that urgency treadmill, but then also a big focus on the instructional leadership piece. And, and this fall in Apex, we're really going to double down on the instructional leadership part because when, when we hear APs talk about maybe not having as big an impact as they want. And then we hear superintendents talking about, we don't have the principal pipeline. The common gap there is instructional leadership, right? Because that's how we make the big impact in our schools is by working with teachers. Um, and that's how we move APs to be ready for principalships is by developing those instructional leadership skills. So we're really gonna double down on that in Apex. There is a challenge for that though. Um, and some assistant principals are in buildings where they are walking hand in hand block step with their principals. They're all focused on the instructional leadership. So it's easier for them to take some of these concepts. Um, and some people are in places where they're going to be on an island. And, and I still, I don't think you can develop your instructional leadership while you're on an island. I think you have to develop your instructional leadership while you're on an island. You've got to go into classrooms. You've got to have conversations with with teachers and you don't need anybody's permission to do that, right? It's harder, but you can do it. And you have to do it if you ever wanna move and you ever wanna grow and if you wanna take care of your teachers. So 
with, with all that lengthy introduction, how has it been for you to be getting some of these, the instructional leadership components and then go back into your school? What have you done with some of those things? So I think that I'm one of the fortunate ones in that I've been able to go hand in hand with my principal. So instructional leadership for me has been, I don't want to say easy, but it has been easier to stay focused on being that I have someone that is also focused and ready to bring me in on it. Um, We serve a smaller population. So um, some of the managerial things that may bog down assistant principals in larger settings um, don't necessarily bog me down. Um, For those people that it does, I, I guess my advice would be that delegate, delegate, delegate. And that's me talking from an aspiring leader perspective, because when I was in the classroom, something that Melissa did fabulously and something that I really enjoyed was those opportunities to do anything that fell in the realm of um, school leadership. So some of those things that are managerial or just a part of the, the role, like transportation or uh, textbooks. Um, Find those people in your building that are aspiring leaders and don't be afraid to delegate those out because we wanted them. I wanted those opportunities and there was nothing, no opportunity that I would have taken as a, oh, she just doesn't want to do it or he doesn't want to do it. It was I, I want to get experience with this so I can speak to it in an interview and, and talk to how I know I can do the job. Um, so any experience was, was one of value to me. Um, but as far as Apex, <laughs> usually it's kids, it now it's dogs. <laughs> you see somebody on the wall, come here, relax. Um, I, I always so, say we do these podcasts in the real world. Yep. That's real. Um, as far as things I've taken back from Apex, the um, that motivation equals value over effort is something every instructional leadership team meeting I brought up because we, in this COVID time, in this, just the state of education as a whole, teacher motivation was lacking. And, um, and I mean, rightfully so, <laughs> it's, right. it, it's understandable. And so kind of focusing on, okay, what does it, what do we value as educators? What do the, what do, what does each teacher value uh, in their role? And then how can I, as the leader, minimize the effort on the, it takes for them to do, to accomplish that goal. And then that motivation just you, you can see it. Um, I, I just have vivid images of different teachers' faces popping into my brain that when I first got to Westcliff, looked like they were on the way out. They didn't have much more gas left in the tank. And now that just through just some strategic planning and discussion around the the why they do this task or the way and why is this part of their responsibility and does it have to be is there somebody within the capacity of our school that could do this that takes it off of this teacher's plate that then in turn could be spent 
planning more, more deeply or working alongside of our instructional coach or something that was going to directly impact the teaching and learning going on in the classroom with our students. So um, that, that formula, I guess, is what you would call it, um, is, is something that I, I took back immediately and is actionable in all entities of, of our operations in our school building. Um, and then that five-minute coaching piece is another one that, I mean, Melissa always would joke that, what can I do for you? I can't give you, I, I know you want more time and more money, <laughs> can't give you more money, but I can work to try to give you more time. And so um, time is something I feel like we're all fighting for, regardless of the role that we're in, in a school building and um, kind of honing in on how a five minute experience with a teacher can have such a big impact and it only takes five minutes. Right. And, and because, right, the, the, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. But the other thing we don't get enough of is attention. Right. Right. And that's what that five minute coaching does. It's a hundred percent of our presence as leaders with the people that we're serving. And I think we undervalue that because we're thinking, well, it's, it's only five minutes, but for a teacher to actually have five minutes that a leader is totally dialed in on them. It's huge. Right. And totally dialed in is another key to that. And it's so, I mean, it's difficult. It's, it's your phone is buzzing, your emails going. I mean, I think mine has done it several times just in this, this time that we've been talking going bling, bling, you're making that noise. And you didn't listen to the last episode. I have not heard the last episode yet. You know, it's funny. I I was thinking that just last night um, that I'm an episode behind and normally that doesn't happen. It, it's all about notifications because I, I recorded that episode. I, my mom was in the hospital. So I was doing that and well, go listen to the episode. I will. <laughs> and then, and then you can tell me where I really missed the boat, which I might've. So um, one more apex question. Um, one of the things that I thought was really cool that you did because there is a, a monthly cost to Apex. It is a subscription service, but you actually applied, applied to your district for professional development funds. And I think you're going you're gonna to help us figure out how to make that easier for people too. We'll put together some kind of a, a support um, tutorial type thing um, to make it easy for people that are interested in Apex to go ahead and, and apply for PD funds. But, but you did. And Every district's different, but maybe just in three sentences, tell us what your process was for that. Yeah, um, so our district has a professional development um, budget for each school and our principals submit their plan for the use of that those PD funds early in the year. Um, and we were in an instructional leadership meeting and discussing kind of the use of those funds and making sure that those funds were used equitably and um, kind of touched on everybody. And we all spoke to what growth opportunities or um, a way that 
PD could reach all of us, our teachers, and then all of us in our roles on the instructional leadership team. So I asked, um, I, I knew about Apex and knew that it was directly for assistant principals. And so I went to the website, gathered kind of the, as much as I could of giving that overview of what I would get from the experience um, and shared that with my principal who then um, requested the funds for the use of being um, a part of the APEX program. So um, I think that there is a focus for our building that principal pipeline right now. Um, I'd say nationally, I'm a part of a, a professional learning community that is solely focused on building the principal pipeline. And there's people representation from all over the nation. Um, and this experience, this opportunity specifically being focused on the assistant principalship is, is a big component of that principal pipeline because there's many opportunities to grow as a principal, but maybe not necessarily the assistant principalship. So um, I, when, I, when we submitted for those PD funds to be used in that way, it was approved. I think our, our district assistant supers do a, a great job of recognizing the importance of, of building that principal pipeline. So they approved it and, um, and the rest has been history. You've had to deal with me for the last year. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So let's start to wrap this up. I have three questions for you. First, what part of your leadership are you going to be focusing on in the fall? Or right now, I guess. Now that I have gotten two years under my belt, I know what I value most in my role as a school leader that I want to continue to strengthen those things. Um, we did the Clifton Strengths Finder with um, our associate superintendent over academics, and he's a Clifton Strengths trained um, administrator. And I am an influ in the influencer domain, all but one, all four of my top five. But I think it was important that he pointed out that these are talents that can be strengths, but you have to be focused on them being strengths. All of the, the talents have pitfalls, uh, basements, and the recognition that, okay, these are my five talents. Now let me hone in on them being strengths. So, so that's my, my goals moving forward are to make sure that my top five talents are being used, utilized as strengths. Awesome. So if listeners could take just one thing away from today's podcast, one thing, what would that be? Ooh, <laughs> one thing. Um, thinking about, I really go back to that collaboration and mentorship piece is who do you collaborate with regularly? And if you feel like you don't have your, those people that, pop into your mind immediately, um, try to build that because the, the collaboration piece has been some of the best professional growth that I've received. Um, and then also who are your mentors? And if they just think your principal, start broadening who else could, could you be 
reach out to and and see who else could would be willing to to mentor you and then who do you mentor because it's a ongoing it's a pipeline so um yeah collaboration and mentorship great point okay anything else that you want to share I just want to thank you for, I I mean, I've been a big follower of the podcast and I have really enjoyed the opportunity to come on and, and in true Maria fashion, talk around 12,000 at once, but, um, and there's a child now. So (laughs) that's our signal. Um, So yeah, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done for me. Um, Personally, professionally. Okay. I look forward to what our future holds as well. I, I hope that we will continue to, to keep on keeping on in this fun world of education. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to us continuing this journey next year. Maria, this has been great. Thanks so much for taking time to share today. Thank you. All right. So if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and rate this podcast. We are a growing podcast, and I'd love for us to be able to reach and help more school leaders. So please consider sharing this podcast with another leader that you respect, maybe your mentor, maybe someone else who you want to help mentor. That wraps up today's show. I'm Frederick Buskey, and I hope you'll join me next time for the Assistant Principal Podcast. Got it. Hold on, I almost shut the meeting down and stopped.